I'm Dr. Jill Wiener. I'm a white woman, a doctor, a meditation teacher, a tapping practitioner, a writer, and I'm an aspiring anti-racist, an identity which I must constantly strive towards, work on, and reevaluate. This podcast amplifies the powerful voices of women and men in all aspects of the anti-racist space, from healthcare to spirituality to criminal justice, to provide a nuanced, honest, and educational examination of systemic racism. And I am so, so, so excited to have here Dr. Maisha Claiborne, who is so, so, so many things. Um, uh, and she's a, a, physi- a family a practice physician um, at integrative medicine. She's a hypnotherapist. She is an um, expert in NLP, which is something we can talk a little bit about. Um, and she's also my partner in the conscious anti-racism movement. She's a co-author in my book and also... Um, a co-contributor to the online courses and our live events that we're doing uh, together. So it's really taken on so much momentum and excitement. And, and Maisha, um, I'm just super glad to have you here. Thanks for joining. Well, it's been a long time coming. Yes. I know we've been trying to do this for a while and, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk a little bit about, you know, what we're doing together and, and our, you know, what we're, our vision is. And, and then how I think important it is to have this sort of balanced representation in the training itself. Yes, absolutely. So um, I guess uh, for people who don't know you, I gave a little intro, but if you want to talk a little bit about your background and, and how, uh, like, just share your whole life story, Maisha. Um, <laughs> but, uh, what, what got you here? And, and, and I guess specifically, um, yeah, let's start with that. Well, so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about. <laughs> All right. So um, how did I get to where I am? What a, what a, uh, a loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> no. Um, so I think I'll just talk a little bit about how I got, how I even transitioned out of medicine very quickly and then fast forward through the rest. Um, as you know, as you said, I'm a family doc, integrative medicine was my specialty. And, um, one thing, you know, I talk a lot about when I talk, um, in my courses and my speaking is about how I experienced burnout in residency and how that led me on this sort of non-traditional path of medicine. So I've always been someone who has swam upstream who has gone against the grain, who have said the things that people have been thinking but weren't willing to say. I've always been that person. Um, And I think how I came to that point was through the experience of um, burnout and and to the point of suicidality um, in residency. And having the realization once, you know, I made it through that one night that, that I, thankfully did not throw back that bottle of pills, um, that my path was going to have to be different if I was going to uh, survive and even thrive in this industry. And so that being said, it led me on this whole integrative medicine journey. And um, I'm grateful to have had mentors along the way that have sort of low-key guided me. Like I had a mentor that says, start your practice cash 
you know, and then people were like, you can't do that. And I was like, watch me, you know, and then growing the, the practice through the recession and becoming an entrepreneur, becoming some, someone who loved business and marketing and, and then not knowing how that would parlay into my next career. Right. Um, and, and so fast forward, you know, and then here I go, uh, having acquired this training in NLP, as you mentioned, and hypnosis and, and, and loving it so much that I have become a trainer, not knowing how that would impact my next career and even my current career as we, as we're moving into, um, started coaching and burnout and was led. And I think this is sort of how we came to come to know each other and even come into the same circle is being a female physician entrepreneur and being in the same groups right now, you know, I'm, I'm moving along in life and my business just fine. And then this, all of this happens this year that happened, right. You know, and I'm skipping a lot of parts because I really want to get to the part where we meet, but um, it's, it's been quite a journey, you know, learning new skills, learning to, to be an entrepreneur in a, in a new kind of way, reconnecting with the physician community, because for a very long time, I was isolated from the physician community. And that is because of my integrative medicine background. And because growing up as a, you know, a black female in the South doing something different, people look at you a particular kind of way. And the way that I was looked at was like, you know, look at this granola crunchy, you know, young looking black girl doing this alternative medicine thing. And so, and that was from my colleagues. And so, you know, I isolated myself from the physician community, which, which is ironic because I came full circle to coach them later. Right. Yeah. And, and even coming into as a coach initially into the burnout space, people looked at me funny, you know, because what's a coach? You know, doctors coaching, except for the ones that needed it. And again, coming full circle to now teach other doctors to start their own coaching practices and to certify others in coaching. So it's just, my life has been full of full circle moments. And I think one of them is, is probably us coming together to me. Um, so we're in this, you know, you know, we're in the group together and um, this, all of this stuff happened with, with Ahmaud Arbery being murdered and Breonna Taylor being murdered and George Floyd being murdered and, and the first, and, and not like this is new, obviously it's not new. You that know? stuff actually came after we met. We met in March and that stuff all happened in May. So this, this happened was- after, oh yeah, you're right. I think <laughs> I, everything is in position to that. So it's so right. interesting totally. that you say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. It did happen. Okay, so let me back up then. Look, look, uh, <laughs> my timeline is so off during this COVID. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so now I'm in this physician, this female physician entrepreneurs group. And like I said, life is good. Now, of course, there's stuff going on with, with police brutality. And there's, there's all of this with racism inside of our community and, and outside and, and, you know, the way I approach life to be able to cope with all of this stuff is continue to impact um, 
as much as I can while I'm living. And I never saw myself though as an activist, as someone who is out there in the street and, you know, as I'm a single mom and I, you know, it's like, well, I, I have to be able to feed my son. And while, so I have to, you know, continue to be, keep myself safe. And I never even thought that I had anything to really contribute or offer in this space. Right. Mm -hmm. I just never, it never occurred for me like I did. So then I'm on this group and, and, you know, this post shows up talking about <laughs> there's this conscious anti-racism course. And I'm like, oh, this, this is cool. And then I look at the poster and I knew, <laughs> I know, I knew, I knew the one person that you mentioned, Dr. Ann Kennard, I know her mm -hmm. and I knew of you. And so I'm like, oh, two white women and conscious anti-racism. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And so then for me, it was like, let me just sit back and watch the comments. I was not saying a word. Yeah. But I had my thoughts and my thoughts were like, well, how are they going to, how are two white women going to talk about being anti-racist if they have no representation? Like if they, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then of course, with my NLP background, there is this whole voice in my head that says, well, no judging, just watch to see what the response is. And then maybe, you know, you'll get to meet this Dr. Jill. And sure enough, I can't remember, you're going to tell me, but I can't remember who reached out to who first, but we end up in the Indian restaurant. <laughs> That's what I remember. Shut down. Yeah. Like right. before. I yeah. Think, I think we had been like trying to meet up in other ways. Like we had tried and we had tried and it kept not working. And I don't remember if it was like as a result of me posting about anti-racism or if we were even, we might've been trying to connect even before. Cause I had mm -hmm. heard such wonderful things about you. And your coaching, and I didn't even mention that in your intro, like your coaching is massive and so incredible. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so we don't know. The details are fuzzy. We could probably go back to Facebook Messenger and figure it out, but there's no need. Right, right, right. And you're right. We had been trying because, you know, you and I kind of run in the same healing domain as well. Like you yeah. with, with the meditating and the, and the, and the tapping, the EFT tapping. And we were, we were trying to connect. I think we're trying to podcast swap. That's why I said it's a long time coming. Right. Either way, this was sort of the catalyst for me to be like, okay, yo, we need to talk. And so, and then I didn't know you were local. That was the other thing. I don't remember you being local. So then we get to meet at this, this Indian restaurant and I meet you and, and instantly your energy was like, oh, okay. I know you. Like my soul knows you. Yeah. And I know that sounds woo for some people out there listening, but I am woo. So just get with it. Um, and and I, I remember you talking about all the things that you do, but what lit you up was this conscious anti-racism thing. And, and I'm listening like, wow, um, she's really passionate about that. This is not just some kind of savior, white savior thing happening. And then that's when I asked if you thought about working with a black person. <laughs> and that's where it all began. That's where it all began. And I remember because I was like putting this stuff out there and getting like crickets. And I was like, I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's because I'm white. I don't know if it's because people are still too uncomfortable if they don't know what anti- I was like, I don't know. And I may never know. Mm -hmm. And you were like, have you ever thought about working with a black person? And I was like, yes to the yes, like a hundred percent. But in my, you know, in my mind, and you, you know this, but I was, I created this whole concept 
of, of the way I'm approaching anti-racism now that we're doing it together to try to like not bother black people and not steal their emotional energy and be like, Hey, no, no, no. I'll take some of this on. Like you, you have other things that you are thinking about and, mm -hmm. and um, then like emotionally fragile white people confronting their racism. And so initially, like it was actually very intentional for it to be only white. Mm -hmm. But then I, as, as you're creating like enduring material, like, it doesn't have to be only white. If it was just me doing events by myself or, or giving people free advice, that's one thing. But if it's an actual thing, then it needs to be more balanced. And I didn't know, like there just wasn't the right, I didn't want to just be like, hi, I know you and you are black. Will you join me? Like it, it just hadn't gotten to that, that point yet. But then when we met, it was like, yeah. Yeah. And I, think, and I think for me, the, from my perspective and, and probably from, some of my colleagues' perspective, who some, some commented and some didn't, is you can, you can address your thoughts about anti-racism. Yeah. But as white people, you can't address fully being an anti-racist without the perspective of a Black person. Yeah. Because you don't know what it's like for us. Yeah. And so I think that's where we began to have more conversation about how you, and initially you asked if we could do some events together, you know, if we could sort of work together here and there. And then I think that spiraled into, will you create for the course and will you be a partner and can we do some, and I was like, we should do this. We should go corporate. And then that spiraled into actually getting some corporate gigs. And, yeah. and I think that um, what, has been interesting is I said earlier, I never considered myself to be an activist. And then one day I woke up and I was like, oh, I guess in a way I am, you know, like I get to contribute to this space in a particular kind of way. And uh, it's been a blessing. It's yeah, it's been very, um, it like all the pieces fall into place. And I think we talked about doing stuff and then COVID happened. Mm -hmm. We literally, I mean, we met when it was right like before questionable whether we should hug. And I think we hugged anyway, but we knew we probably shouldn't have what we did. Mm -hmm. It was that close to COVID shutting down That's and right. then it shut down. So we were like, okay, well, I guess we're not going to do these live things together, you know, right. once the world comes back. And then, right. and then maybe, maybe May, the events in May got us back going again. I, I don't remember exactly, but. Um, it was when, um, it was after George Floyd. Yeah. So, so you know, Ahmaud Arbery was murdered and then Breonna Taylor was murdered and then, and there was already like brewing uprising. But when George Floyd was murdered, yeah, I think that was the straw for everyone that broke the camel's yeah. back. And I remember texting you and saying, it's time to do it now. Yeah. Like we have to do it now. And I think that was the day I woke up to the, I guess if you could call it the activist in me, you know, like, no. What can I do? Oh, I know this person. Yes, yeah. right now. Yeah. You know. um, so yeah, it's been it's been incredible, and I I mean I just everything you've contributed on so many different levels to the the to the curriculum, both the book, the live, and the the online part has been so like exactly what was missing, and so and, and then beyond like like adding multiple levels that I didn't even dream of. So it's not like I, I ever envisioned this to be like a comprehensive anti-racism training, and it still isn't. Obviously, you could do 18,000 trainings, but and it still won't be enough, but mm. um, but it's turned into so much more, and I think, you know, our, our both of our backgrounds in mind-body uh, work 
it's just like so magical. Um, one of, one of the things that I love that you talk about is cause, cause the whole notion for me was helping non BIPOC people, non black, non indigenous people of color, um, deal with the discomfort, the uncomfortable emotions that come along with racism and not shut down, not hide away, not, not, um, get defensive, not get angry, but like spring into action in, in a way that contributes to the movement rather than leeching energy away from it, which can often happen if white people haven't reconciled their, their demons about this. And it's an ongoing process. And so one of the things that I thought was so interesting is you shared that it's uncomfortable for you too to, to talk about racism. So do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, people think that it's, it's easy for us, just as easy for us to address race um, than anything else, but it's very uncomfortable. I mean, talk about race and then in our, in, inside of the Black community, there's colorism inside of many um, people of color cultures, there's colorism, you know, in like the, the East Indian culture and uh, South American culture, Afro-Brazilian and Brazilian and Latin, like the Latino culture, like all of that, there's colorism. So it's all uncomfortable because it's this whole thing of one person is better than another. And as the, as the person, as a person in a culture who has been oppressed and who has had to hear either directly or indirectly, why are you all always pulling the race card? then there's like an unconscious message, like you shouldn't talk about it, you know, or uh, it's not always about black and white. It's not always about race or to have people say, I don't see color. And, you know, it, that's like, a, it's like a, a shot, a, you know, a stab wound, you know, it's like, yeah. a, what? you don't see color means you don't acknowledge culture. You don't acknowledge that you don't appreciate that I exist in the, in, in my differences. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not the most comfortable thing to have to bring up race, um, even though we know it's a lot of, you know, it's, it's what contributes to a lot of the disparity in, in you know, the corporate world and hiring and, 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 and employment and, and disparities in healthcare, um, disparities in, in, you know, financial disparities, like all of these things, race has a lot to do with it. And yet, we have been so suppressed in, in the expression of it that, and, and so traumatized in the expression of it. And especially like when we, it's, it's almost like when we bring up race, we're gaslit. Mm -hmm. Like there's been an immense level of gaslighting when we talk about racism. And so it just unconsciously gives us the message that it's not okay. Yeah. So now to, to be invited to talk about it, it's, it's not an easy thing. Yeah. We can talk about it amongst our, our, our own culture. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, do you see this, do you see that? But to, and it, it's easier to talk even a little bit easier to talk about it on social media, because again, you're once removed from the direct contact of a person. Right. But when we're talking live trainings or when I did this for the course, it, it there's a level of vulnerability that happens. Um, that we're, we're not, that, that it's not occurred for us has been safe. And, and so for me personally, you know, I have to shut off the alarm of it's not safe to talk about race. It's not safe to put myself out there like that in order to do this work. How do you, how do you um, cope with that or process that uh, getting over that 
those alarms, you know, like what, what, what tools do you use for, for yourself? And maybe they're explicit and maybe you just have developed your, with all the years of mind body stuff you've done, maybe it's not as, um, uh, what's the word like, like intentional what technique you're using, but what, how do you, how do you cope with it? Um, couple of things. Number one, I think it has, some of it has become a little bit more natural because of my background in entrepreneurship and of course the mind body stuff, but I focus on what I'm committed to. And a lot of times for me, what I'm committed to is bigger than my own feelings about it. So that's how I've been able to be a successful entrepreneur. That's how, you know, it's like, what am I committed to? When I think about my son, and the world that he's got to live in and what I'm, and I'm raising a black boy. Right. And so what's his, what's the future he's living into. Yeah. And so I think about what I'm committed to and then it motivates me beyond the fear or beyond the discomfort. That's so powerful. Um, I love that. I'm just like writing this down. Um, um, and how, what would you, what advice, I mean, I guess, would you give that same advice? Cause some people, I mean, there's black discomfort and there's white discomfort and obviously not all white people are the same and not all black people are the same, but there's these two big different categories of discomfort surrounding race. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to actually just like really hone in on my question, but how do you, what's the importance of discomfort in this? How can we use discomfort as a tool and how, what are some, you know, some people might be like, I don't know what I'm committed to or not have those, those goals. Like how, how do you help other people or how can you anyone help other people? Well, so I, you know, what, how <laughs> the answer to that question is different for white people than it is for black people. Yeah. Right. Um, for, um, I think for black people, it really is. What are you committed to? How do you want your, how, how do you want your kids to, to grow up? What world do you want them to grow up? Yeah. You know, um, we, you had, we had talked about this offline, but you know, there's this whole conversation about that some black people have, it's not my job to teach white people how to be anti-racist. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think to an extent that is a valid, but then there's a part of that, you know, that to, to an extent, but then there's a part of it where if we completely um, shut ourselves off to giving feedback, then we are, then we're not helping the situation because we're, we're not giving the feedback that's needed to, to help you to be able to make the changes that you need to make. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we owe white people anything with regard to teaching but I think if we look at the bigger commitment then there can be uh, some collaboration and and some feedback given to help you all to to at least see our side of it right it when you when they're willing to but that only comes that willingness to contribute in that way only comes when you're looking at the bigger picture and when you, when you maintain um, possibility that, it, that things can change, 
although it's not going to happen overnight. It took 400 years to get here. It's going to take another probably 400 years to, you know, for it to shift. And I can say for sure that I won't see a trans a, the kind of transformation that I hope will happen in my lifetime. And I think that if our generation gives that up, but still, but still continues to fight for it, then the transformation will happen as long as white people continue to do their work. Now, what do I say for white people? I, I, I can only speak to white people who want to change mm. because there are people who don't. And those people will eventually, you know, get old and die out. And then there'll be the, then, then there'll be people, and, and same thing for black people. I mean, there's some black people who just won't change. And those of us, th that generation will move on, you know. But then for those who want to change and for those who wake up along the way, um, this is what this work is for. If yeah. you are, you know, in a, per in a position of leadership, you have a responsibility to, to teach others, to recruit others, um, to enforce anti-racism in, in, inside of your leadership role. You know, if you are in a position of um, leadership as a, as, a, as a white person and you're really committed to, to this work, then I just believe you have a responsibility to continue to spread the word and give up your social capital yeah. to be able to do it. It's, uh, it's like all fun and games until you actually have to give something up. And, and mm -hmm. I shouldn't say you, I should say we, um, uh, cause I'm not talking specifically to you, but I mean like for white people, it's like, I believe all the things I believe. Oh, not if you're going to make me pay for it or not, if you're going to, mm -hmm. Oh, I might not get the same, you know, whatever it is, losing that, losing that, um, mm -hmm. that power or that privilege it hurts and, and, and getting a sense of what it might actually look like to not have that, even the most well-intending white people can like freeze up when it comes to that. And I, I'm certainly not like excluding myself from that because I'm, I'm still on, on a journey and I always will be on a journey uh, with this, but um, yeah, like do, if, if you mean it, Put your put your actions and your money where your mouth is, and do something about it, and don't just like give it lip service. Yeah, I keep remembering, and white people have to keep remembering that you know part of part of the privilege is being able to turn the blind eye, mm -hmm. is being able to turn off the TV, is being able to go in your hole and think about it, and 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 um, you know what's the word process it all. Right? right, you have time to do that. That is the privilege. Yeah. Right. But there is no, we have, we don't have that privilege because every day we wake up with brown skin and we have to walk outside of our door. We, there's no, we don't have time to process that. Every time we, I wake up and look at my, my little black son, I don't have time to process. No, I have to do everything that I can to, 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 you know, I think about all the time, how do I teach him to be in a world not fearfully, but mindfully mm. and stay alive. Yeah. You know, that's, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a mind, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it is. And, and then keep a positive attitude amongst all of that, go to work, 
you know, and we have to be more positive than most because the moment we look side eye anything that we're angry black woman, angry black man yeah. and get pulled into the office and check your attitude. Meanwhile, like their privileges, they don't get to, they don't, they don't know what we're experiencing. Yeah. You know, and for the most part, don't, I'm going to say it, don't care. It's, it's not like they don't consciously, they consciously don't care, but unconsciously it's not a concern because it's not their experience. Yeah. You know, it's like until, <laughs> until your, until your brother gets cancer, cancer is so, you know, until your mother gets cancer or your father gets cancer and is going through chemo and you're sitting in the room with him on your birthday. Right. You, you don't, the, the experience, you care about cancer, but it's like kind of far removed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I wonder when it will be enough. There is a tide. There is a, there's some, there's a shift. There is, there is something. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, like poof, RBG dies and like poof, all the Republicans are back back in line, you know, and like which other swing voters are going to be back in line too because of power, you know, like it's, it's still about consolidating power and, and, and when will the moral decision, which is the right thing to do and better for people. It's not just like the right thing to do. It's the better thing to do. Everyone benefits when, when systemic racism is, is, um, abolished or dismantled but like it keeps coming back to that power and not wanting to let that go and like what what does it take well i mean this is a you know it's a, it's interesting because i'm doing as i'm as i'm you know, as you know I'm, i do this work with nlp and i'm, I'm teaching and I'm, I'm actually certifying people and and part of that i'm say what nlp is i don't think we've just defined that for people who are listening so before you okay i'll come well, I'll come back to it because I okay. want to finish this thought. So, you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll come back and explain all about NLP, but in the work that I'm doing, I have to do this sort of um, continuing ed. And one of the things that I'm doing my continuing ed on is values, value levels, like societal value levels and value levels at the level of person. And I'm not talking about what the values are, but the level of development, the level of value development, um, almost like children and their social development and their neurological development and their, right? So there's a values level development. And our society over time moves through values levels. And so when we see these major shifts is when there's that whole tipping point to move into a new values level. And I think that's what we're seeing is the unrest is we may be in trans, excuse me, we may be in transition to a new values level. And it takes time. It takes time and it takes, you know, a majority of people beginning to shift. As I, as I do the work, I'm watching like, okay, the medical profession is shifting. You know, a lot of doctors are becoming more entrepreneurs and um, medicine has become more entrepreneurial in general, you know. Uh, so we may be having a, sh- a values level shift inside of the medical industry. And as each industry starts to shift in the values levels, eventually we'll come to this space where, you know, the next, the next problem will be 
the next problem, but this problem will not be as much of a problem. I don't think racism will ever go away because we're humans, mm. right? Um, but the way it is now, I think we'll reach a tipping point. Yeah, I, I hope that this is, I hope it does not require much more than this <laughs> for the for this I, I hope that it continues to shift it's just it like it feels over you know like it feels overwhelming um to see how far we have to go you know and 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 it's it's a lot and i think what you're saying i mean focusing on what you're committed to um that's that's not what you said for white people but it's still like is if, I think that can be helpful for white people too. Like, are, if you're committed to an, a just society, an equitable society, focus on that, and then the other stuff is it, that's that's going to be what gets you through your discomfort. I think it's right. Different, different focusing on what you're committed to, but then, but then um, underlying, like it, that's what the discomfort is is worth. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I, you know. I'm, we're clear that it's probably going to get a little worse before it gets better, maybe a lot worse before it gets better. But we're also clear that this is a shift that's never happened before. Yeah. And, and, you know, I feel um, optimistic about the future, you know, it is what it is, but I think that this is probably the biggest eye opening shift that our nation has had. And um, that is why this work that we do is so powerful because now people are really willing to um, look at themselves. And I've always said, you know, racism is a conversation at the unconscious level. That's why I do the work that I do with NLP. Now, you asked me to explain NLP. NLP, NLP is neurolinguistic program, programming. That's the long way to say it. Neurolinguistic programming. We call it NLP. And I will hear therefore. <laughs> continue to say that because neurolinguistic programming is a little bit of a tongue twister. Much oh, yeah. NLP is a, it's a set of tools, a methodology, um, a bit of a, a epistemology. It's it, that, that, that is grounded in um, looking at change and transformation at the unconscious level works with the unconscious mind. So the conscious mind is, you know, I think, I, I, I am remembering, you know, I will, like willpower, mm -hmm. all of those things are conscious mind things. And then there is the level of the unconscious mind, which is where all of the beliefs, the um, values, the trauma, you know, the repressed emotion, all of that, but lies. And so what we do in neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis and create your future pro uh, processes, which I call timeline therapy, is we go back to the roots cause and um, begin to disconnect those old conversations at the unconscious level and recontextualize so that people can be free mm. of those old stuck emotions and those old stuck belief systems, those old limiting decisions that they've made about themselves, others, and the world and be free to be in the here and now and create new future. And I definitely believe that racism is an unconscious conversation that has been obviously passed down from generation to generations. We talk about uh, epigenetics. This is like that 
you know, from, yeah. from a neurological standpoint is um, this has been passed down. But we, in order to get rid of it, we have to remove those, the unconscious stuff, the stuff that's under the surface. And when we begin to do that, I think we'll begin to see a real shift. And that's part of why this partnership has been very interesting because it's awakened that I have a skill set that could actually do that. And I mean, it's not primarily what I do in my day to day, um, but it is something that I incorporate, you know, that I'm incorporating into the, the, the space of um, race relations and diversity and inclusion now. Yeah. It really feels like the sky's the limit. And there's so many people talking about the healing that needs to get done and the, the trauma on, on both sides, totally different traumas uh, <laughs> uh, that has led to where we're at now. And until we get in and heal from those things, um, it's just more of the same because the subconscious is going to be creating reality. So um, yeah, it's very, very exciting. And it's so, it's so wonderful. Um, how it's very, um, think like, I guess the synchronicity of us coming together and, and, and what we do and our, our, our values and, and our approach to this. Um, so, um, any last words on conscious anti-racism that you want people to, to know, um, before we close? Um, I think that just to remember that this is a marathon and not a sprint. And, you know, um, conscious anti-racism, like the, the movement is part of that marathon. And, and, you know, you can start with the course. And then if you're listening and you're in a position of leadership, um, and we, can, we come and we train boards, we train, you know, execs, we train in the C-suite, whether you're in medicine or not. But I think it's a, you have a responsibility if you truly want to do this work to not only do it yourself, but bring your people with you. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think that's really what I want to say is this, you know, just allow yourself to be on the journey and remember that part of your privilege is that you don't, you, you get to turn off the TV, right. you get to, you get to disconnect. And if there's any motivation, let that be part of it. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I love that. Um, how can people find you outside of conscious anti-racism? How can people find you, follow you, get coached by you, get hypnotized by you as I have done, which is super rad. Outside <laughs> of what you, what you offer um, as your, as your client. Um, can you talk more about how people can, can find you? Sure. Thank you for asking. Um, so in general, if you want to follow me, you can always go to drmaisha.com. That's my hub. And that's where it'll take you to where you want to go. But if you're interested, as we've talked a little bit about NLP and, and hypnosis, and you're really interested in that aspect of it, especially if you're interested in learning it for yourself, like learning, um, being trained, uh, I would recommend going to mindremappingacademy.com mindremappingacademy.com. And then you can learn about the upcoming certification programs, uh, trainings, coach trainings, uh, as well as personal breakthrough sessions if you are interested in doing the deep personal work with yourself as well. Awesome, awesome. And you're on the, the, the social medias also? 
All the social medias are backslash Dr. Maisha. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. That's nice. Yeah. I mean, I can't say I'm the most active, active on all of them, but they're all Dr. Maisha. <laughs> if, if you want to find me, I'm probably the most active on Facebook and Instagram at this point and, and LinkedIn too. Okay. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Maisha. Thank you for being who you are and for, for joining me and trusting me um, for, for, you know, meeting with me for Indian food. <laughs> we even made plans for a future lunch, which is, oh, we did, <laughs> which we had to cancel. <laughs> which we had to cancel. Um, but yeah, thank you for, for everything that you bring to the world and that you bring, um, to our, our conscious anti-racism movement and to my life personally as my friend and, and colleague and, um, and uh, for, for focusing on what you're committed to and, and doing the work that you do. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, just being open to all of the, the conversations that we've had and for inviting me into the space and giving me, you know, a, a something new to, to, that, that I learned about myself, you know, like a new view of myself, of who I am, and, and for your commitment to the conscious anti-racism movement, because clearly it is a passion for you, and it's a beautiful thing to see. Heart. So many hearts. For anyone who's hearts. listening, I'm holding up a heart. Maisha is now holding up a heart. So much <laughs> love here. Um, you're the best. Thank you again. All right. <laughs>